it's uh, really good to be back here with you again. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, one of your pastors, uh, Pastor Edwin, rang me uh, early in the week and said, can I share uh, something for you to pray on about Burma? And so I thought today I'm going to start off uh, with a PowerPoint, uh, just a few pictures about Burma, uh, and, uh, and then we'll... Uh, uh, start our, 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 our reflection on uh, Genesis chapter 17. If I can have the PowerPoint, please. <clears throat> yep, I think I have the control, or I'm supposed to. Okay, this, uh, I'm going to be pretty brief about this. Things in uh, Burma, uh, as I think since I last spoke to you, hasn't been going that well either. Uh, things have been pretty tough. Uh, especially for some uh, areas, uh, uh, and there are many, many stories, uh, real-life stories. Uh, I'm just going to very briefly show you some of that. Uh, we have, uh, in the Christian areas, a village of 17 houses. Uh, for no reason whatsoever, the army decided to burn down these houses of the Christians. And uh, if you were sick in that particular area, sorry. If you were sick in a particular area, you, have, uh, you could not easily get into the public hospital because it's now reserved, especially during the COVID time, for the army and their relatives. And so our brothers and sisters uh, would go around and uh, try to, this is a nurse, try to... Uh, uh, administered uh, medicine or whatever care they can to these people. The nurse herself, uh, who, uh, uh, who has been a, a very strong Christian, uh, gave out her work as a midwife. Uh, she actually uh, got cancer herself. Villages have been bombed. And we are seeing one of the villages that our, one of my pastor friends live in. Uh, and uh, they have to quickly come out of the village. They'll heat themselves in the corn field with the corn uh, so that uh, there wouldn't be chairs around. Uh, thankfully, they were not uh, coming after them anywhere, and so they have been pretty safe. But that's life in uh, Burma. Uh, and especially if you're... Uh, person of beliefs other than uh, maybe Buddhism, uh, you would be scrutinized that way. In another area uh, that is uh, not Buddhist, not Christian, uh, we try to uh, reach out to those kids. You have heard of uh, histories of uh, how those people uh, have been uh, uh, displaced from their, their homes. Schools have been interrupted. Uh, we have set up tuition classes as well as schooling uh, for these young kids uh, and provide them more than, more than just schooling. As uh, you can see, uh, other essential needs as well. I just want to give you two quick stories. Uh, I better put my wife in. Because if I don't, my story goes on and on. <coughs> uh, 
this is a very small truck called uh, Manyung. I'm not even sure I pronounce it correctly. It, it's supposed to be a sub tribe, officially a sub tribe of the Wa people. Uh, and, uh, and, but they don't regard it themselves as that way. As you can see that this village, oh, sorry, I keep pressing the bomb button. This village is pretty rudimentary uh, with little huts here and there. And not only are the people uh, living poorly, uh, at the moment, uh, inflation has not just hit us and the Western world. Inflation has hit really badly in Burma. Uh, some people t uh, tells me, uh, you know, it's gone up 50% easily. In fact, uh, noodles, which was $3 or whatever in Burma do uh, dollar, is now $8. You know, and uh, so it's, it's pretty bad. And these people has, uh, has, uh, has been living on their own uh, land, uh, agriculture, planting crops, especially corns and things like this, uh, vegetables, and, uh, and guess what? Fertilizer is just impossible now. The, the cost is just so high, uh, so the yield of their crops have been dropping and dropping and dropping, and they're virtually uh, running out of sufficient uh, food to feed themselves. And then one night, uh, the wind came and blew off the entire village. There's a, a young woman here, and I, I'm going to feature two women in this presentation. Uh, and, and the kids, uh, these are some of their kids. Uh, they don't go to school. Uh, they're pretty dirty. Uh, they, they, they have no hope for future. And this young lady, I'll just call her Sister M., uh, she is a, uh, one of the tribe uh, people. She became a Christian. Not many of them became Christians. She has a fervent uh, love for his, her people and for God and wanted them to really find uh, the hope, life. These people are in a dead-end tunnel, basically. And so she, uh, after becoming a Christian, she actually... Um, went to Thailand, got herself educated uh, in biblically and in language and all that, and came back and tried to minister uh, to her own people. This is her there, and uh, teaching kids as well. So we, su we support people like that. We have only started with her uh, through, uh, and she's been doing it herself for a little while now, a few months at least, uh, I think more than a year actually. And, uh, and she has... Uh, uh, we ha we're starting to support her and her work uh, with uh, what we call precious students, uh, fusion. Uh, so that's what we have been doing. And you see that, uh, as I said, the wind came one night. This was about two or three months ago. Uh, all their houses collapsed. It was pretty simple houses. Imagine that for ourselves. And when the houses collapsed, unfortunately, this little baby was under it, and this is his barrier. Not only are they not having crops, not only are they having their houses blown away, their kids are not, have no hope at all, the army came and started to force enlist their young people. Boys, teenagers in their mid-teens will be taken away. So they have to run away from that mountain uh, village, and they came down to uh, another 
uh, land closer to the to the town so that uh, it would not be so uh, easy for the army to to force enlist their youngster. People there look depressed, look uh, downcast. Uh, our sister M would still continue to go to them. She is still full of energy. She is still full of vibrant, vibrancy. And uh, we just, a uh, couple of my pastors just went and visited her two weeks ago. And she said, wow, the, the source of impact and influence that she you know, just exude out of her and the people listening to her and listening to the gospel, it's just unbelievable. God is using people like that, uh, like her, to, to reach out to her own people. That uh, village has uh, about 40, 40 plus uh, families. Uh, about a third of them have become Christian. Please pray for them. The next uh, chart I want to show you uh, is uh, the Tu'an Polong people. I might have shown you some of this in the past. We first uh, started to know them and started to work with them. They, they're not a small tribe, this one. They probably have at least half a million uh, people in uh, Burma alone and some in China as well. Uh, when we first uh, uh, heard of them, started uh, interacting with them, there will be hardly a handful of Christians. I'm, I'm talking literally handful of Christians. Uh, and uh, their, their kids, uh, this was the early picture. This is a later picture. The kids, uh, they're, 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 you know, and, and in fact, jumper comes from us. Uh, they're, they're, they're dirty. They can't read. They can't, they can't write. They don't go to school. So we started this uh, Christian Student Tuition Center. And uh, today, these, these kids, uh, there was nine, ten years ago, are going to school. They, 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 they actually know how to read, how to write. They become Christian. They attend Sunday school. Uh, and, and it's fantastic. Uh, this lady here, I'll just call her Sister Oak. Uh, she, uh, she is the Te'an herself. She was one of the first few Te'an people who become Christians. She is... Uh, basically pouring her life with her husband, uh, who is a, a reverend, a pastor, <coughs> uh, into the Ta'an people. These are the kids that she is ministering to, to the tu through the tuition and teaching. <coughs> and as you can see, uh, these uh, classes impact not just, because the Ta'an are Buddhist, uh, basically, uh, and an animus, uh, and uh, this young people here, they really love to learn and they also come to those classes. The Lord is, a, a wind of revival is going through this group of people. We have hung in there with them. They have hung in there and do it. Initially, for the first five, six years, it was hard work, hard yaka. I tell you, and uh, we would go there and we would do it and uh, parents would oppose to kids coming and all sorts of difficulties, and sometimes the higher up monk, they would not like that, and all sorts of things. But the Lord works, and through the faithfulness of His people, and uh, they would go up to the village and start preaching. A lot of people are starting to cry to come to know Christ. And this is a, 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 a story from the just last few months. 
they went to this village because they heard that some of them have heard the gospel. So they went up there and they, they, they share with them, consolidate their faith, and many others come to Christ. And uh, this is the village chief. And what happened was that after they become the village became predominantly Christians, very young Christians, the army came and basically said to the village that we don't like you becoming Christians. You have to deny your God, your faith, and if you do, we will not disturb you. But if you don't, we're going to, uh, in fact, they shut them in a, in a, in a house you know, as prisoner. Uh, we're going to take away your, uh, your, your grains, your, 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 your harvest, and there and there, they started slaughtering their pigs and will take away your cows as well. Uh, and, and they said, no, we have come to this hope and joy and, and love. We're not going to give away our, our, our faith. And the, 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 the army, one of them, put a gun to the head of this head chief and said, you renounce Jesus now or else I'm going to shoot you. And, and he said, I will die for my new faith because I know this God is my real God. The army didn't know what to do. They didn't shoot him. They took their things, ransacked the whole village, and left for a while and said, we'll come back. So they knew they couldn't stay there anymore. So they quickly uh, called on to uh, Sister Oak, and, uh, who went up there, helped them to change, take the whole village down into town. Uh, about nine years ago when we started this work, we actually bought a piece of land with another brother from Hong Kong. Uh, our church bought it with him. And uh, we then, uh, it's about 17 acres. In that land nowadays, a lot of Christians who have been persecuted, young Christians, young families, young villages, uh, villages of young Christians, would, we would resettle them in that land. And that land is called uh, uh, loving the An, because a lot of them are the An. Uh, a village. And so we were able to settle them. Uh, this is uh, some of the people from that village, and this is uh, one of the houses that is built. It's a beautiful land. Uh, there's a waterfall uh, behind that as well. And uh, so, uh, praise the Lord, they are now settled there. The Lord moves through the Da'an people, and instead of a handful of them, we now have thousands of believers. Nine, ten years. Thousands of believers, more than a few hundred churches, I think. Maybe about 200. I, I, I'm not sure about that figure, but we, that's about that range. And uh, it's not just us working there. There are other people, missionaries as well. Uh, some from America, some from other countries. Finland, for example, uh, have been working there. And that is just that baptism within the last few weeks. And, uh, and uh, with our precious students, uh, we have many centers throughout the uh, uh, Burma, uh, 35 centers at the moment. Some of them have been closed because of war and conflicts. Uh, but uh, last few months, 177 of the kids, uh, of the young people rather, have been baptized. The unchildren, four young ladies are now in uh, Bible college, uh, training to be pastors. About half a dozen pastors have already, of the Da'an people have already graduated. Brothers and sisters, I'm showing this not because uh, 
for any emotional reason, but rather to sh to, to 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 highlight the faithfulness of the people in in their faith, whether or not it is uh, facing persecution, facing poverty, facing challenges. God is my God. Whether or not the work seems difficult, Sister Oak, Sister M, I am going to continue doing this. For the first few years with the, the Aunt people, I tell you, we really didn't see much fruit. I praise the Lord. You know, 10 years actually, not a long time in God's uh, economy of time, but we are seeing quite significant changes. So today, as we come to uh, Genesis chapter 17, uh, you've been going through Genesis, you've been looking at the life of uh, Abraham. Abraham has been, is, is, remains a very well-respected person in the world. He's called the father of faith, and it's a prime example of what we can learn from. And I'm sure you have learned a lot already since chapter 11, chapter 12 of Genesis. What can we learn from Genesis 17 today? Now, the first half of Genesis 17 was God speaking to Abraham up to verses uh, uh, 6, 30, 15. Sorry. And then from verse 16 to 27 for the next 12 verses is Abraham responding to, to, to God. And within that uh, segment, the first segment of God speaking to Abraham, I, I divide them into three segments. The first one is God stating who he is and uh, declaring himself. And then the second section is God's covenant, which is divided into two. The first one, uh, uh, with the reading, you'll hear, as for me, that verse, as for me. And, and that, is Jesus, uh, that is God telling uh, Abraham uh, what I'm going to do. And the second part of that uh, declaration from God is, as for you, that is what Abraham needs to do uh, for this covenant. So, Let's go to the first two verses. It's an important uh, opening statement, and I call them the foundation statement. God called himself, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. El Shaddai, uh, uh, which is Shaddai, El is God. El Shaddai, mountain, strong. Uh, it's the first time in the Bible that that, that name has been used as the divine uh, name of God. And uh, so God is declaring that I am your God, all-powerful, all-sufficient, God who can do anything and meet any need. Is God our El Shaddai? Is God all-powerful, all-sufficient? Your first song, Jesus at the center of my life. And then, God said, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Now, walking, and another translation uh, which brings up the, the meaning of walk a little bit as well. Beside walking, the other translation, New Life translation says, serve me faithfully. And uh, another one, Christian Standard Bible says, live in my presence. This walk uh, has the meaning of walking, going, living together, associating, bending together, consol 
consociate and and partnering together. It's 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 a living of the two lives together. So God said, "Do that with me, walk with me, live with me, serve me." Two things faithfully and be blameless. Now, how can I be blameless? Now, blameless, I can't. I can't be perfect in my own strength, but we know that our righteousness is through Christ. For He's atoning for us, paying for our sins with His own life. And so we stand before God today, and uh, even though I know how sinful I am, uh, I can know that I am justified, I'm cleansed. We receive this uh, righteousness through faith, through trusting in Jesus. So like Abraham, and like all of and, uh, many of you here, I will hope, uh, have come to believe and trust in his God, and he has already been held righteous before God. Abraham, uh, Romans chapter 4, tells us that Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteous. But here we see that Abraham's journey of faith that God is one that God want, uh, wants to see in us. It's not just an internal belief uh, in his heart. It's not just a faith that happens in that instant when he recognizes and responds to God. The moment that when you first receive Christ, so to speak, using the jargon, when you first believe in God. It's not just that. It's not just that internal. It's not just that instant. It's a genuine faith is one where there is both an internal conviction and submission to Christ in faith during that moment, but it's also, there is also a clear outpouring of that life, of that faith, because of the transformation of our lives as Christ reigns in us and as the Holy Spirit works in us. This will manifest as a godly life even if we remain imperfect in many aspects of it. Moreover, as I said, faith is not an instant. I'm old enough to tell you, Abraham is old enough to tell you, faith is a life journey. We see in the lives of Abraham, in fact, in the lives of all believers in the scripture, faith is a journey. While Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him to be righteous before God, but now God actually tells Abraham, that he is to continue in his faith journey. He is to walk before me faithfully and be blameless. The word blameless means total, means full, complete. It means wholeheartedness. It means to live in God's presence, to serve him faithfully, to, to be wholehearted. As one preacher, uh, writer, Ray Statements puts it this way, we are so constantly trying to serve two masters. To please self, to look after self, and to please Christ. We are quite content to serve Christ if we can also serve self at the same time. What God is telling Abraham, what God is telling me, telling you, is trust me. Live with me. In my presence. Walk with me. Serve me faithfully and wholeheartedly blamelessly. Your wholeheartedness is not 
crack. Your wholeheartedness is a full heart. That's blameless. I would add that I do not want to you to, to draw you into a guilt trip here, okay? Being wholehearted to God does not necessarily mean you have to throw away everything uh, that you enjoy in life. Uh, give out your job, give out your wealth, give out your name, give out your status, or even your friends. No, 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 no. It means that you know deep in your heart that in the midst of all these things in life, God is your All these good things that God has given you uh, are for you to have, are for you to use, are for you to enjoy. You are thankful. You acknowledge, you know, you are linked to him. You are submitting yourself that all these things that he gives you and you ask him to guide you to know how to use them, how to enjoy them, how to prioritize them appropriately and how to be good stewards. That's wholeheartedness. And God will speak to you. God will lead you. God will guide you as God has done with Abraham. Abraham was just like you and me when he first started. You know a lot. In the last few chapters, you have gone through. He's gone through a lot of problems. Many of them, he dug it out himself. And But this is God's promise. This is his opening statement on your life. I am God Almighty. I'm El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully, wholeheartedly, blamelessly, undivided devotion and loyalty to God. Then, I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly bless you, increase your numbers. What would you do when God speaks to you today with these words? Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Well, Abraham, he fell face down. He fell face down. Abraham fell down with awe, with worship, with reverence, with humility as he received God's covenant. I wouldn't go too much into the covenant itself as you have probably a few sermons on it already, but basically God blessed Abraham and his people, nations, kings, you'll be fruitful, and you'll be no longer called Abram, which is exalted father, but rather Abraham, which is father of a multitude. And God also, besides blessing the people, God also blessed and give the land and possessions and assets to Abraham. Canaan land will be the everlasting possession to you and your descendants. And then God blessed Abraham. This is the pinnacle. God blessed Abraham with himself forever. I am your God. I am your God and the God of your descendants. It is an everlasting covenant for you and for your descendants that I will be your God. God's promise, God's undertaking, God's blessings, God's, God's covenant, he is declaring and giving to Abraham is a blessing of richness, a blessing of God himself, a blessing of abundance. God has a covenant with us today as well. I think uh, Pastor John talked a little bit about that in the, in the, in the Holy Communion. One of my favorite verses 
uh, in the scripture is John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says, when Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Have it to the full. A rich, satisfying life. Have it in abundance. Now, if you hear that covenant calling from Jesus, I come to give you life. To give you so that you can reach, you can, you can live it richly, enjoy it. And this is how amplified uh, version of the Bible says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the food till it overflows. Now, if Jesus said that to you today, would you be like Abraham fell face down? Yes, Lord. I want to be wholehearted, faithfully and blamelessly. Because that is the key. God has already given you the whole thing. That is your key to switch it on. Would you do that? I got to, however, give a lot of credit uh, to, to, uh, to Abraham for the way that he could fall face down to God in reverence and worship, in faith, humble and face down. Yes, God, over the last 24 years, that is when Abraham was 75 till today, when Abraham is... Uh, uh, 99. God, over the last 24 years, have repeatedly showed uh, Abraham that he is God. On various occasions, uh, God would call him, God would talk to him, God would appear to him, God would make promises to bless him and his descendants. And even before today, in chapter 15, that you will know that God made an initial covenant already with Abraham. God, a covenant that, if you still remember the, the, the scene of uh, God moving in between the sacrificial animals, uh, and, uh, and, and God is totally committed to that covenant. But the f of the 24 years, the first 11 years was anything but smooth sailing after God called Abraham. You know, God, Abraham needed to make a long journey to an unknown land, uh, as a journey that, in fact, his father uh, and him delayed for some time. They didn't want to make it. And then he came, when he came to that land, the destination, the, the promised land, guess what? Very soon there was a famine there. And because of that, Abraham decided to go down to Egypt, and you know all too well what happened there. He ended up needing to lie and then got kicked out of Egypt. And uh, the next thing that we know is that his, his nephew, Locke, Lot, who, uh, who was really like a son to Abraham, uh, and his, the Lot's men and Abraham's men quarrel, and they, have, and they have to part ways with Lot choosing to take the good land. And then Lot was attacked, and, and, and Abraham has to raise up his own men, and he went and he chased after the, the enemies, and he attacked them, and he rescued uh, and, and he, the people and the goods. And to make matters really worse, Sarai, his wife, and Abraham made the decision to have a child with Hagar, the Egyptian slave woman. Where did the Egyptian slave woman come from? I wonder it was when Abraham went down to Egypt and when he lied and everything, and then he came back with this uh, Egyptian slave woman. You know how one bad choice in life can often lead to more bad things in the future. But with that, the family conflicts, quarrels, chaos that follow 
they were intense. And then Ishmael was born. This 11 year was full of potholes in Abraham's life of faith, this life journey. Full of mistakes, full of failures, full of disappointments, fights, conflicts, quarrels, involving the closest people close to Abraham's heart. Sarai, Ishmael, Hagar. Then to make matter worse. Of the 24 years, the first 11 years, full of mistakes, and then the next 13 years, God was totally silent. For 13 years between the end of chapter 16 and the beginning of chapter 17, chapter 16, the last verse said Abraham was 86 years old and now Abraham is 99 years old. God was totally silent. There was nothing that seems to have happened during that time. If I were Abraham, would I be exhausted, confused, deflated, downcast, even depressed by now? God has called me. God has given me this mission. God has enabled me to leave my land. What has happened? All these fights, all these disappointments, all these hurts, and now God is silent. And now God appeared in chapter 17, and when God said, you have to walk before me faithfully and be blameless, what did Abraham do? Abraham fell face down in worship. I have to give that to Abraham. It was not easy. If I were Abraham, would I be resilient in this life's challenge? You know, resilience is not something especially, sorry to put it this way, the younger generations are not really good at. You haven't been probably put through some of the tough things in life yet. It will come. I promise. <laughs> Would I still be walking before God faithfully and be blameless and wholehearted in my faith, in my actions, in my life, my dedication to God, and his calling, and his prompting in my heart. Though I still fully believe and trust what God has promised me. I've shown you some very fast glimpse of the lives of some of the people in Burma. I have to give my head to them just like I give my head to, up to, uh, to Abraham. They continue on, persevere. God is my God. Who am I to question him? He has asked me to serve my people and I am going to serve my people. He has asked me to bring my people to him. I am going to bring my people to him. God sometimes has more than one reason for his delay. Often it is to test or to grow our faith, to develop our patience, to make us into a more beautiful person and to bring an end to myself. His delay are so that when he acts, and he does act, as we shall see in the later chapters of uh, Genesis. In delivering his power more, it becomes plainly evident that it's God doing it. We will, he will be, uh, all this will be more deeply appreciated. And as a consequence, he can do more with us in a glorious way. Because we are now stronger we are now more solid, we are now more mature, we are now more connected to him, we are now more like him. 
we now know our El Shaddai much better. Now, the second half of chapter 7 details of Abraham's response to God. If you were to come down to uh, uh, verse 17, let's go to verse 15 first. God started pushing the envelope a little bit here. Because God starting to tell Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, sorry, I'm sorry, can you help me? Oh my goodness. Let's just uh, back one more slide, please. Thank you. Thank you. As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call him Sarah. His name, her name will be Sarah. I'll bless her and will surely give you, give you a son by her. I will bless her and he will be mother of, uh, she will be mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Now, God is now pushing the envelope. I think if I were Abraham, I have faith put my face down, I have said, God, I, I receive your covenant, and I, I believe you, and all that. But now God is pushing it. This is the last straw that breaks the camel's back. You want Sarah and I at this age to have a son? Okay. And so what did Abraham do? Yes, Abraham fell face down again, but he laughed. He laughed. I don't know you identify with that. I can. Because sometimes our faith got pushed. Our faith got pushed. You know, Abraham is a very resourceful person. There's a lot he can do with his own strength and abilities. So he has a tendency to rely on his own wits rather than on God. I'm not so sure what God has done so far. In fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Abraham said to himself, I think God has given me a bum steer. You know, be not so sure about that. He'll be starting to think that I think I have to find my own solution so that God's promise can be fulfilled. Yes, Ismail. But God in his grace and mightiness said to Abraham, yes, I want to give you and your wife your rightful seed. In the next verse, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son. The word yes there uh, in, uh, in, in, in Hebrews, I have to look at my note. Uh, it, uh, it's uh, A-B-A-L, Abel, means truly, verily, surely, surely. God says, your wife will bear you a son. God is reassuring that Abra with Abraham that I am going to do it for you. What did Abraham do immediately after that? Abraham circumcised his whole family. Even though I cringe somewhat when I read Abraham face down and laugh the second time, it's kind of disrespectful or even scornful towards God. I cringe. So soon after earlier falling face down in reverence, in awe, but I also see the real life Abraham's faith. Because in the midst of all his doubts, uncertainties, inadequate beliefs and faith, and in the background of God being silent for 13 years and him going through all these difficulties after the calling, Abraham rose up. 
Abraham rose up and immediately, the Bible say, he listened to God, he submitted himself to God's way, and he acted in obedience. He circumcised himself and the whole family as God told him to do. Abraham's action, actions of submission, obedience, speaks louder than his talks, than his uncertainties. God wants to give us the blessings of this abundant life. Purposeful, meaningful, rich life on earth and in eternity. We already have faith in him and we have become his children. He guarantees our status of being righteous and justified. But because we are the ones who has been impacted and we are the one who has to partake in this covenant, we must play our part in this rich and wonderful covenant of abundant life that Jesus has made with us. How do I do that? I'm going to finish with this statement. I want to submit myself to God and ask him and trust him to help me to walk before him faithfully and be blamelessly wholehearted and dedicated to him and his guidance in my everyday life. Even in the midst of uncertainties, chaos in my life, challenges almost unbearable, with my mood sometimes sinking and downcast, even when God seems silent, I am going to hang in there and keep on keeping on dedicated and faithful. Brothers and sisters, that is a faith journey. That is a faith journey where the covenant of abundance will come true, real. I'm old enough to say that. Some of you know my story. I left church for 15 years. Became almost an agnostic. I don't know God. I don't want to know God. I'm quite disrespectful to him. I was troubled by my own self. I was troubled by the word of evilness. I could not be humble. I was proud. That was during my medical school years and when I was a young doctor. But God in his mercy when I was uh, in my 30s, uh, grace uh, brought me, by his grace brought me back to him. Serving him as much as I can with his grace, with his strength, faithfully as much as I can, wholeheartedly as much as I can, has been a wonderful journey. And that's why I keep saying, our faith is a journey. It's not an instant. I pray that today, I may never come back again and speak to you, that you remember Genesis 17 and what God in the first opening verses tell Abraham to do. He's saying the same thing today. He's a God who hasn't changed. And he is a God who is good on his promise. He's going to bless you abundantly. Praise the Lord. Thank you.